Brought to you by the Harvard students. This is the Culture and Clarity Podcast. Hey everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of the Culture and Clarity Podcast. Um, today, we're just going to be kicking around some questions that you guys have submitted. Uh, my name is Grant Leslie, and I'm joined today with Katie and Blake. What's up, you guys? Hey, hey. What's up, my homies? How, how goes it? It's going well, man. It's going well. Um, we're just here in the in the foundry, just you know, six feet apart, just just kicking it, doing our um, thing, doing our thing. But, That's right. So you guys, thank you for joining me today. We have some questions that uh, our students have submitted that um, I think it'd be really important for us to answer. And so this is just some of them as they are really, really good questions. And if we try to answer them all, we'd be here for weeks and weeks. And so, um, so yeah, True you guys, that. do you guys think you could handle this? Are you guys ready for it? Slap them oh, this way. So ready. Awesome. Blake's well, this, so ready this first him. question is a uh, probably the most important and is super pressing. Um, this one was submitted by uh, me and uh, it's uh, a, would you imagine that? Would you rather be able to run at 100 miles per hour or fly at 10 miles per hour? And why? Golly, Ooh. golly, jolly. That's, that's a, rough a one. tough one. <clears throat> oh, I think you'd be fly to fly. But I think it'd be also fly to be that fast. <laughs> so regardless, I'm going to be fly. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what's mind. important. Oh, man. I'm I'm so torn. Hey, man, you know, I know what I'm going to do. Um, I'm, I'm going to run 100 miles per hour. Really? It, it was a tough call for me. Yes, because I think I'm just more practical in this nature. Oh, maybe not. I guess I could just fly high and like that would be dope. Because I was thinking like if I'm trying to get somewhere and I can mm. run there at 100 miles per hour, like that's pretty dope. And flying there would be cool, but like 10 miles per hour, like it's going to take me a while to get there. But then I thought about like flying up in the clouds and like how cool that would be, even though it is 10 miles per hour. But 10 miles per hour is just slow. Ah, I'm, I'm going to stick to run. I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm trying to get places fast. Man, Blake, now hearing you explain it, I was like sold on flying. Oh. But I was riding my bike the other day and only going like 10 miles per hour, and I realized how slow I was. I, I felt like I was kicking it. The cars <laughs> were zooming past me. So, man, I would probably go with run, too, because I'm, I'm trying to get where I'm trying to get, you know? 100 miles per hour? Oh my gosh. That's really fast. That, that's, pretty, that's super fast. fast. So, yeah. You know, I'm probably team flight right now. Okay. And this is why. Because it is, you know, it is 10 miles per hour. It's really slow. But if you think about it, like from one, like from point A to point B, you know, you have to take some roads or certain, you have to like go around things. You because, just run through them though. Well, it's fair. <laughs> yeah. That would probably hurt. But you could, <laughs> by flying, you could just go up and there's nothing in your way. You just go straight to that point, the fastest route. So in some cases it might be faster to fly at 10 miles per hour, but probably most cases it would be faster to run there. <laughs> I recognize that. But you would still be able to accomplish flight, which would be dope it would be awesome pretty legit that would, people would probably think you're like a superhero up in the sky <gasps> there's grant leslie mm. flying that's what they're already saying though. per hour you know, that's true that's what, that's what all the comments are saying today anyways <laughs> I, they think i'm flying that in my circles Dang. too so that's that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> i'm just playing then no one says that about me 
I'm sure Ashley does. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. For sure. Well, cool. Thank you guys for answering that. That was um, fun. Man, that one needed to be answered fast. Thank I know goodness. that all the students are asking that one. So thanks for answering that. Um, no, but but seriously, we got some really good questions from the students that we're going to dive into. Um, obviously, that one is not one of them. That was just me adding that to my special book. So thanks thanks for answering that. You're but so welcome. On a more serious note, if we can if we can kind of transition there, this is the first question that I want us to kind of dive through, and that's how do we know when God is speaking, and then how do we listen? Oh, that's a forever a good question. Always a good question. Asking that for such a long time, and I always like to ask that question to mentors and kind of listen to different podcasts and get uh, so much just insight and wisdom. But I'm always brought back to just to keep it so simple. Like I think for myself, I can make it super complex. Um, it has to be like the right time. I have to uh, just like sit long enough and I don't know it just has to be the perfect timing I have to be super holy and righteous make sure there's no sin in my life and all of these things have to be at play for me to truly be able to know when God's speaking and for sure God cares about sin and (laughs) repentance and all those things are very important Um, but I think the Holy Spirit um, is at play here for to know in how and when God is speaking Um, just the direction and the way that the Holy Spirit works in believers and brings things to mind. Um, And for one, it's just you have to align everything with God's word. Come on. Um, That that is what's true because in Hebrews, it talks about, um, Hebrews chapter one, it says that God spoke through many prophets um, in different times, but now today, God speaks through his son. So we can know how God is speaking to us while we just look, we look at Jesus. Um, now I know people probably want more of a like word verbatim explanation of how to know when God's speaking of like, okay, is, is his, can I actually hear his voice? Like that would be cool. And I've heard people say that they've experienced that. That has not been the case for me. Um, but usually God is speaking in a way that makes me have to do something uncomfortable because it's going against my sinful nature um, and to take everything to scripture, align it. I encourage you to read Hebrews chapter one where it says that God is speaks to us through the person of Jesus. Um, and that's found in his word. And last thing I would say to that, um, Grant, your question is you have to slow down. Like if you're going at culture speed, which is so fast, it's basically running hundred miles per hour. <laughs> Man, you're going to hear just constant crazy noise and you're going to get frustrated. Like, I'm just not hearing God. I can't connect with God. He seems so far off. Um, and God's like, hey, I didn't go anywhere. Um, you, you don't slow down um, to stop and just hear um, God and allow your soul to catch up with you kind of thing. So I think slowing down and sitting in silence is, is very key for that. Mm, come on. I, I love that, Katie. And- I think the verse you pointed to is perfect or the passage in Hebrews one, uh, it just makes it so clear. And, uh, those, those are really my, my two biggest points on this question is, you know, what, what does God's voice sound like? Like how, how do we know? And it, what I would also say to that is it's a growing process of learning more and more what his voice sounds like. And, it like imagine you know you're talking to one one of your friends or whatever for example when I first started working here like 
I didn't know Katie or Grant's voice super well. Like they could have called me down the hallway. I could have been like, what, who's talking to me? Like I haven't, I haven't heard that voice very much, but now that we've been working together for six, eight, 10 months, however long it's been, uh, it's pretty easy for me to tell what Grant and Katie's voice sounds like because I've spent so much time with them and we've done a lot of life together. And so now when they call me down the hallway, I can turn around and be like, oh, that's Katie or Grant for sure. And it's the same sort of thing with God. The more time we spend with him and like Katie was talking about, we spend that time in his word, getting to know Jesus, getting to know God's son, Jesus Christ. That's how he speaks to us. Those are the biggest things that help us to line up with with what God's voice is. And that's just been huge for me as I have a lot of, you know, kind of thoughts and quote unquote voices, whatever you want to call them, swirling in my head, conscience, whatever it may be. Many things come by and it's like, was that from God? Was that from the devil? Or was I just making that up selfishly? Like, how do I iron all these things out? And this has been the biggest helpful thing for me that a pastor told me is just these points that Katie just made of lay it down over scripture, lay it down over the character and actions of Jesus. And if it lines up, like you, you can continue following it as if it it's from God. And if it doesn't line up, then it's not from God. God is not going to speak anything to you that is going to contradict or be different than his word or the character and actions of Jesus. And the God's word, the character and actions of Jesus are complex and there's a lot of them. And so this is a skill we, God gives us the grace and freedom to build and grow in over time. So don't feel discouraged if you spend 30 minutes in the word and you're like, I don't know if God's speaking to me. Like, man, I've been in this game for, I actually had my 10 year Christian birthday the other day. Um, So I've been at it about 10 years and it is still a challenge that I'm growing in of learning what it looks like or what it sounds like to hear God's voice. And uh, how how do I listen essentially is being obedient to that, you know, holding every thought captive to the obedience of God, throwing out the sinful ones that are not of him or that are selfish in my own nature and holding true to the ones that are from God that do line up with his word and with Jesus's character and his actions and being obedient to those things and whatever God has called us to. And uh, another thing, sometimes, you know, they're not intently, you know, sinful decisions. Like they're not like, oh, don't do this. Like I think, Grant, you brought this up when we talked about this uh, back in the day of like what college do you want to go to? Like those two decisions, there's not one that's like inherently sinful and one that's inherently obedient. But I think, you know, you pray to God, you walk through scripture with him. And if there's still nothing there, I read a book that's called Just Do Something. It essentially talks about this idea of like, if you're walking in God's will, if you're uh, reading scripture and praying to him in a deep relationship with him. And like, there's still no like clarity. They're like, make a decision, like pick one and keep walking through it and like, keep being obedient. Like God will lead you wherever you need to go in that. And so don't put so much pressure on yourself. Like I have to make the right decision right now. And I need to know it's God's voice. Like follow God's will, listen to him, follow Jesus's example and make decisions. And, uh, I'm willing to guess you'll be honoring and glorifying God in those things. And even with that, Blake, to go along in Acts, um, I'm pretty sure the apostles just drew like a stick. It says whenever they were uh, looking to get maybe like the elders or different people in the church and they're all just really sound men in the faith and they just drew 
like mm-hmm. from a cup. Yeah. Like, hey, put your name in. And, and I think it's just, it kind of tells right there of just, man, just do it along with what you're, you're saying. It's not like inherently sinful. It's just about making a decision and then be all in. Yeah, and I think the important part, I love that connection, Katie. Uh, the part of that story is, is you know, Peter and the rest of the apostles took the time to, you know, take a moment to pray about replacing Judas, like, you know, first letting the Lord take take control of that. And I think that's super, like, a great connection of, of when, you know, ultimately sometimes it's not just the Lord, because he, I mean, it was the Bible. I mean, ultimately the Lord could have, like, made a moment where he was like, and, you know, the new apostle shall be Matthias. But instead he, yeah. you know, he allowed it to be something through the object of just picking straws and it being like, all right, you know, Matthias, you've been picked. And so, you know, but they allowed the Lord to, to lead that, you know, and that, and that comes with prayer that comes with, you know, if you, you can't just expect the Lord to speak to you or reveal something to you. If you don't spend time in prayer, if you don't um, take the time to develop that relationship with him. And so if you, if you find yourself in frustration, like, man, the Lord's just not speaking to me or revealing anything to me, then, I mean, I would invite you to check your heart, check, check what you've, you know, if you've, taking the time to pray, if you've taken the time to invite the Lord into that, to, mm. to lead over that decision. And it might be as simple as, oh, wait, maybe I haven't done that. Maybe I yeah. need to take the time to say, you know, I'm going to release this to you, God. And, and I've said this before, and this is not my thing. I've definitely heard it from someone else. I don't remember who it was, but it's just been really important for me in my life that sometimes it's, it's just, you got to keep moving. Like you said, Blake, and it's a yes until it's a no. Mm. And, you know, he'll just keep allowing doors to be open and then he'll close one very clearly if it's a no. And so you just also got to walk in that, that truth and that faith. And sometimes it's not very clear until it's very clear. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, last thing I'll say to that, just, thinking as you're talking grant is like it's that's not an app we can just download yeah to just kind of click on our phone like oh, i've been doing this all day and i'm just gonna try to hear god's voice let me just it's yeah. not like that like this 21st century we live in it's this lifestyle it's the daily disciplines of being obedient to jesus yeah and i've been talking with them some students kind of involved in this realm and just another layer to this kind of question of like, what if I'm doing all the right things? What if I'm spending time in scripture? What if I'm praying and like, I'm just not feeling God's presence. Like I'm not hearing him speak to me. Like how, how do I listen to that? How do I go about that? And I do think there are some things like we've talked about, this is a growing process. You're not going to get it right away. You're going to be growing in it forever. But I do think there are things that we can do to help, uh, hear God and listen to him because sometimes we're just overly distracted in that time we're trying to spend with him and we need to take some time and pray and say you know Lord take these distractions away from me I want to be present with you maybe there's a sin struggle going on that we haven't confessed to God or confessed our communities around us or maybe we're just running out of pace and you know trying to fit that time in I got 15 minutes with God right now like let's make it happen or whatever and God's not speaking because he's like hey why don't you get your distractions priorities in place and give me the time I deserve and like I'm gonna speak to you in that and you know it says uh that uh when we draw near to God he will draw near to us Mm. I believe that's in James Mm. and uh that that's just true and that's what I believe around that question of you know continue going there continue to spend time in scripture and in prayer and lining up with what it says in the character of Jesus uh and have patience with yourself but also be self-reflecting on are there areas and ways that I'm 
I'm making it harder for myself to hear God because that's been true of me that I need to remove distractions. I need to confess sin. I need to slow down. Like all of those things have made it harder for me to hear God. So uh, try to continue growing in those things and the Lord's going to be faithful and continue to draw closer and closer to you uh, in those moments with him. Yeah, it's a good word. That's good. All right, so let's move on to another question. So this is another one submitted by our students. So and this was a deep one too. Can someone be me. homosexual and a Christian? Wow. Drop, dropping the nuclear mm. questions on, uh, on this podcast. But I love it because it is a great question. It's a culture we're asking a lot in uh, a question we're asking a lot in culture and specifically in Christian culture. And I'm not going to lie, I've got a lot to say about it. So uh, y'all, y'all, y'all just bear with me. But uh, I think the, the question in and of itself can be a little bit misleading of can someone be homosexual and be a Christian? And the be there is the really challenging part to me of like, can you be homosexual and be a Christian? Mm-hmm. And be makes it sound like that is a part of your identity, that that is just something that is who you are that cannot be changed or transformed or there's there's nothing to be done about it. It's just who you are. And I would say that is not what scripture teaches, that homosexuality is a sin struggle, that same-sex attraction is a sin struggle, uh, and it's like other sins that we struggle with, that God calls us against, and yet we're in our sinful, selfish desires we can be prone to fall into. Like, I, we, we don't in culture do this with other sins. Like, for example, pornography. You know, we don't say, like, hey, man, I'm, I'm just somebody who watches pornography all the time. Like, can I still be a Christian? Like, it's like, no, pornography is something we're striving to stop doing. It's not a B statement of, like, man, I, I am. That's just who I am. I can I be a pornography watcher and be a Christian? Like, we'd be like, no, stop that. Like, yes, there's a difference between embracing a sin and struggling with a sin. And I think this verse mm. points it out super well. This is from 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 9 through 11. And it says this, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And Paul just makes it very clear there. He's like, man, if you are actively pursuing and, you know, embracing and practicing a sin of any of these kinds, if you're just actively embracing sexually immorality, if you're actively embracing and practicing idolatry or thievery or being greedy or being drunk, like, you know, I I would question if you are a Christian, if you are pursuing Jesus and trying to repent of your sin and homosexuality is in that list among other things. So it is a sin that we are called to not embrace and to repent from. But so would I say that you can be 
a Christian who struggles with same-sex attraction and homosexuality and still be a Christian? Absolutely, because we all struggle with these sins. But as Christians, we have new renewed desires to follow after the life and law of Jesus. And the more and more that transforms us, we continue to repent, turn away from sin, and pursue the things of God and holiness. And I would say that is the same for homosexuality as it is for pornography or any sexual immorality or being greedy or drunk, that it's a sin struggle that as Christians we're called to turn away from and pursue Christ. And he is the only one who's perfect and saved us in those things. Blake, you have said that so well. Um, And I love the verse that you bring up in 1 Corinthians 6 because I think that's just a great a uh, couple verses that really speak to the heart of how to walk this out um, because homosexuality is such a sensitive topic. It mm-hmm. seems as if like that is one of the most sensitive things you could talk about in culture. Um, and people really just want um, an either or, like, hey, just tell me straight up, like black and white kind of thing. Um, and with, with everything in life, there's so many different struggles and temptations but that doesn't have to be our identity. And we don't have to, like the verse says, practice. Like if you're practicing sin, um, then man, that removes you from being able to be in the presence of God. Um, And a Christian, a born again believer, um, man, the the Holy Spirit and God's kindness draws us to repentance and the fact of like, okay, I cannot um, truly be joyful and experience life to the fullest outside of God. I've heard it said the most miserable person on the planet um, is someone who claims Christ but lives like he doesn't exist. Um, it's almost as if you're creating your own teachings of Jesus that you want to hold on to um, and remove the ones that are uncomfortable. You know, Christianity is this all in, Jesus is everything. And even how Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9 that it's better to not even marry. You know, I have friends who struggle with uh, same-sex attraction and it's, it's an everyday having to make this choice. I'm not going to act on this. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to act on this. This is my sinful nature. Um, and it's that wrestle. You know, that's their wrestle. It, that's just their, um, man, their childhood has brought them into so many different things that have led to them um, having this wrestle. But ultimately they see it as like, okay, I'm just not going to marry. Because Jesus is way more valuable in his word. It's worth it to wrestle in order to be in his presence and to be a believer, like the value of that. Um, But like, I love how you brought so much clarity of um, just bringing that verse up. It's really good. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good point, Katie. You know, everyone has their own temptation struggle. Everyone has their own um, that sin that you know the enemy will continue bringing up, and 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 knowing that that one temptation or a few temptations could potentially be successful in getting you to to surrender to something else. And I think the key is surrendering. Like, what do you yeah. surrender to? And do you you know in this context, do you are you surrendering? to being homosexual and if so then you then therefore you can't surrender to both being a homosexual and surrender to being a believer and surrendering to Christ and that's really the truth of like you know salvation and, and being saved is is making the daily um choice of I'm going to surrender my life and that means everything to Christ and it's not like in a moment oh like you're perfectly surrendering everything and then the rest of your life is perfect because you've surrendered like 
it's it's in recognition that daily you it will be a struggle that you can't fool like you just because we're human we can't perfectly surrender everything but it's the it's the active pursuit of surrendering that's the key and if you're allowing yourself to uh, wear the identity that I am a homosexual like I am living in sin and it's okay that's my identity then you know it's very clear that 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 you're not also say like you're just you're allowing yourself to be fully surrendered to something would you guys agree with that yeah I love how you put Absolutely. it and uh, of surrender I think that's a great way to put it another way I've heard it described just because in having conversations like this uh, sometimes a question I'll get asked you know is like well how do I know like am I am I practicing or am I struggling? Like, cause I, d- mm. I don't want this. I'm, I'm trying to seek after the Lord, but I'm also prone to fall into this sin and brokenness. And like that, that's all of us on this list, Paul laid out, right? We, we all can fall into different sins, but, uh, like you say, Grant, it's a matter of like surrender. When we are surrendered to Jesus, like we feel that desire to be obedient. We feel that desire to repent of, man, I'm falling into these things, but I don't want to. I want to seek after the one I'm fully surrendered to. And it was described to me as like, do you have a desire for obedience? Do you desire to follow the Lord? Like, I'm not asking you, like, have you done it perfectly? Like, have you not been uh, engaging in same-sex attraction for, you know, a certain period of time, just like I wouldn't ask you, like, are you, have you not been engaging in pornography for a certain amount of time? It's, it's a heart level thing of, are you desiring to be obedient? And that obedience takes part over time. And maybe there are great seasons and freedom from that where you're not acting on those things, but the heart is always there. How much is there a desire to be obedient to the things of God. And that only comes from if you've truly surrendered to Jesus, like you were saying, Grand. So I love how you put it. Like if there's any desire there for us to be obedient to the one we surrendered to of Jesus, and that's going to look very imperfect in how we actually uh, put that into action. But if there's that desire there to be obedient to the one we surrendered to, I think that's a helpful way to look at it uh, through the lens of surrender. Oh, I agree. And I think the the opposite of surrender is how it talks about in 1 Corinthians, um, just verse 25. Um, it says, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Um, and I think of, you know, even different struggles outside of homosexuality, like we can really hone in and make something not that big of a deal. Like, once again, like, I'm going to pick and choose the scriptures that I want to live by. Um, And just how scripture, it says, I mean, we twist, we can twist things so easily. um, And culture wants to water down the the gospel and God's truth. Um, But 1 Corinthians is really a great place that speaks to that of making sure, like, okay, I'm not, like, just picking and choosing my versions of Christianity that make it more fitting for my life. Um, And that's really advertised. A lot of churches um, and different things all out on media that, hey, what is love? Love is doing whatever you you want, you know, whatever feels right. Mm -hmm. But surrender is submitting under the Lord's leadership um, and trusting that his ways are better than my ways and his thoughts are better than my thoughts. Um, and even as Paul said in first Corinthians nine too, like, if that means I don't marry, like I have a good friend and she's like, man, I just, this is a struggle. Like God is greater than like, um, my sexual desires that that's a hard place to be. 
Um, but it, it can only it can really be done. Surrender can really be done in community, mm-hmm. having that support that you're mm-hmm. not walking um, this alone if you have same sex attraction or any kind of habitual sin in that matter. Yeah, that's really good. I think it really boils down to just you know the posture of your heart, right, and the the daily pursuit of obedience and surrender. So thank you guys for yeah. kicking that around. And uh, just one quick thing to add, just because I, I, culture is so finicky on this topic, I just want to make it very clear, you know, that that there is more life in following Jesus. Like there's Come more on. life in obedience to him and him calling us out of homosexuality is an invitation into more life. Mm-hmm. He is not trying to take things from us. Culture is painting this picture of homosexuality is beautiful and good and brings affirmation and approval. And that, that's just not true. Like that is empty and broken in the same way. If culture starts promoting any of these other sins of like, man, just, just be drunk all the time or just seek out other idols or be sexually immoral constantly. Like those things are empty and broken and not going to bring us joy and fulfillment. Uh, and so just to be reminded that, that, that is the lens that homosexuality is spoken about in the Christian world. You know, it's not a identity thing. It's a sin that is trying to take more and more life from us, but mm. obedience to Jesus is truly where life is found. And just with that, to kind of end the talk, topic on this is like, God loves you. He mm. is, Amen. he is crazy about you and you have been on his mind and just just how heavy the topic is and you can feel so much shame whenever you have any kind of sexual sin um, or you feel other than. Um, Jesus is crazy about you and he wants you right where you're at in the thicket of it all. Um, and that's just, that's true from God's word. Yeah. Absolutely. True love and desiring us to surrender and seek more life. But he loves anyone struggling with any sins on this list that we've been talking about in First Corinthians. They're all the same and the same love of God is trying to bring us into relationship with him to surrender and to life found in him. So I love that. Yeah, I think it's really important to make very, very clear that same sex attraction is not a sin in and of itself. It's, and I think you talked to this earlier, Blake, but just, just to, to wrap it up, it's the, it's the you know, pursuit of, of that homosexual desire. It's the giving right. into it. That's the sin. But same-sex attraction is just the temptation. Like mm-hmm. all of us are, are tempted with many things. It, 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 that's just what it falls under. So if you know someone or if you yourself struggle with same-sex attraction, that is not a sin. So don't, you know, don't allow yourself to feel shame from yep. just of just having that temptation or don't let yourself become a judge of someone who, you know, struggles with that because, you know, check your heart. You also struggle with a a sin sin as well. So just hear that very clear. Awesome. So moving on to, to more questions. We have another one, this one. uh, So question number three, how do we handle family problems in a, in a Christ-like manner? Man, it is easy for me to be a Christian everywhere, even on the side of the street to a homeless person than my own family. <laughs> and you even look at the life of Jesus where he was not even accepted in his own hometown. Um, there's so there's so much battle and wrestle in family, especially right now, 2020, uh, Corona, um, this guy is this all being quarantined. Um, how do you handle um, family problems? Man, I think, there's a lot to say to that. Um, but my mind goes to Galatians where it talks about the fruit of the spirit. 
um, being able to see, okay, like I, I need to have the fruit of the spirit with those who I'm in my closest circle with. Irritability, frustration, anger, um, just so much is just probably changed, especially if you're in, if college students, which most of you are still in high school um, and junior high, but coming home and you maybe feel like you lost a little bit of your own freedom. So there's a lot of different, um, maybe not seeing eye to eye in your family, but I think of the verse two where it talks about, um, you're like a non-believer if you don't care for your family. Um, it says something to the extent of that, like not really loving and caring for your primary family. Um, it's, it's just hard because they know so much about you, um, but it's good to know your limits. Maybe to know, okay, I'm easily frustrated with any family members. Um, so just to maybe step back, get away, to get a refresher, um, to know, okay, I need to just have some space, especially with quarantine right now, um, and to remind yourself of the fruit of the Spirit. Um, to remind yourself mm -hmm. of peace, love, gentleness, kindness, um, and that you need those, especially with family. Yeah, no, that's really good. Man, family family problems are complex and different across the board and just always unique. And so it's hard to speak to this with great specificness. But uh, so I'm just going to kind of speak to it in two broad ways. And this is coming from me who have had a mountain load of family problems. You guys if man, it would take me days to tell you about some of the things uh, mm -hmm. I've been through with my family. But uh so for you and your family, whatever's going on, it comes down to kind of two big truths for me that have been helpful for me and that I've seen in more of the failure than I have in the goodness of it of when I haven't done these things. Man, I wish I did these things more. It would have helped me uh, engage in healthier family relationships. Uh, but so my number one is essentially to grow in the truth of how loved you are by Jesus. And so we're, we're given families and man, I pray you all have amazing families who love you deeply and teach you the value that you have in Christ. But the reality is like we, we are born into imperfect, sinful families, and that is not always a core attribute of our families. However, it is a core attribute of our God who loves us and has given everything for us in Jesus. And uh, I wish I knew more and more of that when I was dealing with my family struggles. If I knew how loved and fulfilled I was in Christ, that when my family was falling apart, it wasn't going to shake me as much because I was secure and foundational in my the love Jesus had for me. And then that into number two of try to follow Jesus' example and not your family's example if there are rough things going on uh, in there because I was drawn into, you know, my family had lots of kind of uh, fights and things of that nature and selfishness and I was prone to follow their example and to kind of fight back fire with fire with you know uh, unkind words and selfishness and things of that nature whereas I wish I could look back and see uh, how clear the love Jesus was that had for me that was secure and safe that I could follow Jesus's example in my family that I could be kind and compassionate and humble maybe even when they didn't deserve it and maybe even when they were being unkind to me, like that was how Jesus lived his life. People constantly being unkind and unfair to him. And yet he loved and showed humility and cared and served for other people. And that takes a lot of work and effort to get there. So I'm not saying, hey, just snap your fingers and be more like Jesus. But those would be the 
two biggest things I would say about dealing with family problems is, man, try to remember and rest in how loved you are by God and try to grow in following Jesus' example, which is a lifelong battle. Mm. Yeah, I think it's just imperative to to remember that, 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 you know, in anything, especially with family issues and, and, you know, trying your hardest to love them, you know, unconditionally, right? There's, there's, you know, as we're called to, like, that's, really difficult and but it's important to remember that you know it's we are called to love them as christ does us and there's a deep um empathy that that's built from that when you take a step back and realize okay out of all the stuff that i've done and all the times that i've messed up you know christ still died for me and he knew that and he knew going into the cross that that um i've made these mistakes and i will make a lot more and, and he still loves me all the same. And so seeing others and specifically your family through that lens of, you know, like they're messing up, you know, maybe they have messed up, maybe they are messing up or will, like, you know, it's still, we're still called to love them all the same and still called to love them as Christ loves them. And that's, you know, it's convicting that um, look, just even looking back on my, my past, I know that I, I was blessed to not be in, you know, in a similar situation as you, Blake, but you know, that I, I'm definitely, you know, um, uh, just convicted of not loving them as much as I could have, especially knowing that I was blessed with such, um, just a, just a, um, just more of a fortunate, fortunate situation that there are many times that I just didn't love them as Christ loves me and as Christ loves them. And, you know, that's something that, you know, if you are in a situation where your family is, it seems like rainbows and butterflies right now, like, um, you know, take that as an opportunity of, uh, of just, okay, I still am called to love them as Christ loves them too. And so, um, I don't know, that's just something that, that was convicting for me and just, and reading over that and growing more in my, in my relationship with Christ. Yeah. And one thing I would say to, um, just family dynamic is your family should get your best. Like if I'm loving, um, my friends really well, I'm really kind to them, um, but when I go home, my mom starts asking me questions. Well, this is back when I lived at home. <laughs> starts asking me questions and different stuff. I easily get an attitude or anything like that. Like my family's not getting my best, but I'm giving my best to others. Because mm-hmm. it's easy to do that with people who you're not as close to, that see your every day. Like when you wake up and you got bedhead, you know, whenever you didn't clean your dishes, um, your friends don't have to see all that. So you're used to just whenever it's easy and convenient, um, is along with me to love people who um, you're not doing life with every single moment every day. Like your mom and dad, um, they see every part of you, you know? So for you to be able to show the fruit of the spirit and to love them and give your parents your best um, with, like Blake said, like really being able to show them Jesus, um, that honors your father. And what's done in secret, God sees. Like the Lord really is glorified when we honor our father and our mother. Um, And if the dynamic is different, like your parents aren't following Jesus, um, then you follow, like Blake said, you follow Jesus's ways, you know, like his ways of love, even whenever it's really hard and you have parents who are not encouraging you to follow the Lord. Um, That's when you really deeply depend on God. um, And that makes it really, really hard. And that's why having good community is helpful for that. But I would just say like, check your heart. Like, are your friends getting your best? Um, or is, or is your family getting your best with kindness and the fruit of the spirit? Yeah, that's really good. Well, um, thank you guys for kicking that one around. Um, it's important, especially to recognize in this season of quarantine, that you know, it, 
we are going to spend a lot more time with our families. It's just how it works. And so um, this is really important for us to, to hear and, and to know during this time. All right, moving on to, to another question. Um, question four, why does God allow suffering? Oof. Now that is a biggie, I that guess. We've had a lot of biggies, but uh, <laughs> this, this, is, uh, this is also a very sensitive one and, uh, you know, one, one that can be hard to grasp and understand. But uh, I think there's a couple of verses that'll give us some great lens into it. But uh, I also want to first open up by kind of explain that there, there can be different layers of suffering. Because uh, one of the verses I'm going to read is uh, Hebrews 12, which essentially talks about how God disciplines us uh, for our own good to build us up and help us grow into who he desires us to be. Um, but I, there are also sufferings that are just caused by living in a broken, sinful world. And I think there's a big difference between God causing and God allowing. And so, for example, like I believe God can cause some suffering in our lives to help discipline us, to help build us up, to help make us look more like him. Um, for example, James 1 uh, two through four says this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And so God is, God is a good, good father. And that's what Hebrews 12 is talking all about, that good fathers discipline and grow their sons and daughters and make them stronger. If we never suffered, if we never had to go through anything hard and depend on him and exercise our faith in him, man, we would be weak uh, children. We'd be weak Christians, but he allows us to suffer and to use that time to grow us into deeper relationship with him that makes us strong and that is good for a father to do. And so that's why James talks about it and says, consider it pure joy, my brothers. I don't know about y'all, but it's hard to consider it pure joy yeah. uh, when I'm in the midst of suffering. But uh, that's through the lens that we can read that, that God wants what's best for us. He wants to make us strong. He wants to prepare us. He wants to grow us in relationship with him. And so God can cause some of those sufferings to help do that in our lives because he's a good father. However, there's a difference between God causing and God allowing. And sometimes, oh, we live in a sinful, broken world and uh, things happen that we're not caused by God, but we're caused by a sinful and broken world that is imperfect and not God's design. Uh, for example, like I would never say, you know, if a sibling of yours died that man, God's, God's just trying to help discipline you and help grow you, uh, in a relationship with him. Like, I don't think that's God's intention at all, uh, behind that suffering. I think he can use those really dark, hard times to build our faith and strengthen it in him. But I don't believe he causes that. Like he sometimes causes other events in our lives to help build us up and make us stronger, uh, sons and daughters. And so those are some broad thoughts on suffering. What, what would you say? Cody? I would say along with that, Blake, I think you hit those two points so well of just what suffering is. You know, God uses it to discipline us and, you know, God doesn't cause all suffering in the world. It's a part of the reality of Genesis 3, a broken world that there's sin. Um, God does not delight in slavery and all types of stuff that are just like we would say varsity level suffering. Like I wrestle with how this is happening. Um, why would God allow that? And it's so good to know that, okay, like, God doesn't 
cause those things. Like his yeah. heart is so broken by the ways of this world. Like he is grieved at some of the levels of suffering that take place. Um, but like I've heard it said, you're either in suffering, just got out of suffering or about to be in suffering. Like everyone to some extent in life is gonna suffer. And as a Christian, you might as well get a reward for it is to realize like, okay, like there is something to be learned from this. Like I look back at some of the most growth times in my life and it usually involved suffering. And in the middle of it, like you don't, you feel as if, man, I don't know what good could come from this. This is just rough. Um, I remember like having the fifth knee surgery, so angry, so frustrated, like why is this happening again? Um, but I saw God's grace and direction in my life that led me ultimately to be the woman of God I am today. And I had to go through some things. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just like working a muscle out. Like if you want oh. to um, grow strong and you have to, man, it's painful to work out. It yep. is like, it's not, you don't just get muscle um, from just going easy. Now you gotta, you gotta go hard. Um, and I'm not saying you go look for suffering, not at all, um, but it's going to happen. Like you don't have to go looking for it. It's just, you live life long enough and you're gonna walk through it. And the biggest thing about being a believer is there's hope. There's hope in any and every circumstance no. of our life. And Romans 5 is a, a place me and James go to a lot to encourage each other. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. <clears throat> not that suffering produces, uh, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. Hmm. And hope does not put us to shame because no. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Um, goodness gracious, my throat, uh, talking about suffering, got my throat suffering. Um, but that's uh, Romans five. And I love how it talks about um, produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame. Like man, suffering really sharpens and shapes you to be the woman of God or the woman of man that God desires for you. Or, to or the be. man of God. It, what did you, I say? You said the woman of man. <laughs> Y'all, it's been a long day. Yeah, Don't let be me, the woman of let man. Let me rephrase that. Uh, yes, man of God or woman of God that um, the Lord wants us to be. Um, but yeah, that's what I would say. I love Romans 5. Yeah, no, that's so good. And I love how you paint that picture of, you know, God uh, in suffering. He is there with us, that he is there with us in all of it and provides hope. And in this broken, sinful world, we can see that when the worst of things are happening, that we're suffering, we still have a God who loves us and who has saved us from all this sin and brokenness in Jesus Christ. And we can point to that. And uh, he's also a loving father. And uh, I just remembered this, this awesome analogy that uh, I listened to a sermon on around this idea of like God as our father. And sometimes when he's causing that suffering to discipline us and help us to make look more like him and lead to life. And I'm going to read a small part of it in Hebrews 12 that says, uh, moreover, uh, in this verse nine, moreover, we've had all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we be submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. And man, he does it for our good that we may share in, uh, in his holiness. And uh, the 
sermon painted this picture of, you know, a baby as we're the babies. And if God held us and just made sure we never cried all day long, we wouldn't grow any of our muscles. We'd be so weak. We wouldn't know how to do anything. So he puts us on the ground and he makes us crawl and build muscle. And we don't like that. Like we're screaming and crying like a, like a newborn baby. Right. But in those times of suffering, sometimes we can think like, man, God just left us. Like he bailed on us. He's not here in Mm. this suffering. And like this picture instead painted of this father puts his baby down is the father still right there. He's like, hey, I'm with you. I'm right here. Uh, But I want you to get strong. I want you to build these muscles. So I'm not going to pick you up, but I'm right here present with you. And just how true that is of us in suffering that God has not left us. He has not abandoned us. He is right there with us, but he's trying to help us be strong and built up in a foundation that is built on our relationship with our belief and surrender in Jesus. That is a beautiful analogy. Yeah, that's really good. And, you know, speaking to to Jesus's response to suffering, um, I just finished reading actually yesterday, this book called On Death by Timothy Keller. And it's this really short read, but ultimately, so it's actually a um, what he gave at, um, oh man, it was a eulogy at one of his family members, uh, funeral, but ultimately he kind of unwrapped a little bit what scripture says about death really, but you know, kind of, you could even use this to suffering as well. And John, when, um, Jesus was informed that Lazarus, Lazarus has, had just died, you know, he took a moment to, to cry and weep and he grieved over the death. And, yeah. you know, Tim, uh, Timothy Keller points out that, Jesus, you know, could have been just thinking in his brain, like, well, I'm about to raise him up from the dead. And he could have had this sly grin, like, oh, you know, I'm about to, don't, don't you worry. It's about to be good. But he, he took a time to grieve and to, and to weep because in the reality, like he, his heart was broken that suffering and death existed because, you know, it's a, it's a product of a broken world. It's a product of Genesis three, like you pointed out, Katie, of, of, uh, of mankind, you know, the, you know, his creation, um, the Lord's creation took the time to like, to, to have the first and ultimate sin brought upon ourselves suffering and death. And it wasn't his original intent. And so, you know, Jesus himself took time to grieve and to weep before going and, and resurrecting Lazarus. But it's important to point out that, you know, even our God is knows and, and understands what we feel during times of suffering. And even like, you know, just when, when, when loved ones die, like he knows to, to the extent like that pain that um, we, you know, it's okay to, in the midst of suffering and death, grieve. It's okay to, yeah. to weep and to feel, and to just to feel that pain. And, and, and because there's, you know, there's a broken world that we live in, but it's important to grieve with hope yeah. and knowing that what you just pointed out, Blake, and, and, and you too, Katie, of just the hope that we have is, is, is that, this suffering will happen for a certain amount of time, but Christ's second coming is, is, is coming soon. And there will be, um, there will be no suffering and no pain in those, in those days and for the rest of eternity. And we, we can have hope because of that, that suffering is, it will be a short window of time. And, um, and there is a promise that Christ is coming back and he, he will take that from us. So mm-hmm. um, any last thoughts on, on that question, you guys? I would just say, I think of the story in the gospels where it talked about Barabbas as a criminal and then Jesus as well, like getting released. And I've heard uh, Judas Smith say that um, God had to treat Jesus like Barabbas in order for Barabbas to live like Jesus. 
So the suffering that, I know, sit on that for a minute. Say, say it one more uh, time. Yeah, so Jesus had, uh, God ultimately had to treat um, Jesus like Barabbas, who was a criminal. And like us, we can find ourselves in the life of Barabbas. So I'll say it, I'll really just say it like this. God um, had to treat Jesus like us in order for us to live the life Jesus deserved. So Jesus took the suffering of the world. He went through all the suffering any of us could ever experience in order for us to really live the life that Jesus deserved to live, um, which was would be suffering free. So Jesus knows suffering, he knows pain. He went through it and carried all of it for us. Um, and it says even in Hebrew that, man, he, he feels there's nothing that we'll go through that Jesus hasn't already experienced in that. But I, I love the, the thought of how we get to live the life Jesus deserved and he died the death we deserve ultimately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just a final thought that because of those things, like we can have hope in a time where there will be no more suffering, that in our faith and belief in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins and surrendering our lives to him, if we are a Christian following him, like we now have the hope of heaven where suffering will no longer exist and these things will no longer be a part of our world, which uh, is a sweet thing to hope for because there is suffering in this broken world, but we have the hope of Jesus and uh, that, that leads to eternal hope, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you, guys. I think this is probably a good place to, to, to stop today. But we have a, we, we definitely have some, uh, many more questions submitted by our students that I think we should definitely take some more time later to, to discuss. But um, yeah, thank you, students, for submitting your questions. These are super, super good. And we are honestly super proud of you guys for taking the time to um, just to dig deep and to think, you know, what are some deep questions of your heart? And so we hope you, we've been able to be helpful in this and remember to really in all of this align things with scripture with what, what even what, with what we say. And um, so um, awesome. We hope to catch you guys next time. I'm Grant Leslie. I'm Katie Johnson. And I'm Be Busy. And this has been the Culture and Clarity Podcast. Catch you guys next time. Hey, you guys, thank you for jumping into this conversation with us today. A couple of things. If you had any questions or concerns about what we talked about, feel free to reach out to any one of us, including Tim, and we'd love to dive deeper into these concepts with you. And then secondly, if you uh, weren't able to um, submit a question yet, or if your question wasn't answered, please feel free to reach out to us through our multi-link. That's multi.link slash the Harbor Students. Again, multi.link slash the Harbor Students. And go ahead and submit your question. Thank you for listening.